Thank you so much for the privilege to, to be here. It's been an honor to know Jeannie for many, many years, and um, I appreciate the work that she does to lead you in missions and um, the missions education programs that you have here. I'm so grateful for those leaders that faithfully serve and, and do that. It was um, great to reconnect with the Carters and with um, the Lewises today, and um, also um, Sandy Simpson from um, Charlotte has um, been on our board and serves on the um, region board now for about to some mission. So it's been great to have some friends here and get to, to see them. And thank you, Pastor Trent, for giving me this opportunity to, to share. Um, we're going to be in First Peter today and to talk about the living hope. So um, I also get to represent and give you a greeting from Women's Missionary Union of North Carolina and then uh, from National WMU. And I just want to tell you that they are Hard-working ladies who definitely um, believe that they are going to take that commission and that we're going to go with it. Um, you, you may have heard it said that if you have a vision but you don't have a task, it's just a dream. Or if you have a task without a vision, it is pure drudgery. But when you have a vision and a task, it is the hope of the world. And so I believe that that is truly what we have today as Christians and especially as Women's Missionary Union. Um, Jesus gave us the Great Commission, as you know, in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 to go and to do that. And then um, he talked about even us as we've come as followers to teach them the things that we have known. So uh, National WMU says that they are making disciples who live on mission. That sounds a lot like Yours. And then in North Carolina, we say that we challenge, prepare, and equip Christian believers to be radically involved in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So uh, we have the vision. God started it um, in Genesis 3 when he wanted to have a personal relationship with us. And then we have the task to go and make sure that every people. And so until every nation Every tribe, every tongue, age, wherever the location um, has heard the gospel, then our task is not done. And so we are still on mission. But you know, when you have a, um, a Baptist group, uh, we have to have a committee, right? And so <laughs> when the committee was getting together to think about what was going to be our theme to talk about for this year, um, they unanimously came to the idea that we needed to have hope. Uh, based on all the things that have been going on in the, the last few years, of course. But I also want to tell you that this is not just, you know, that, that hope like the world talks about. It's not, just, it's not just a wish. But they wanted us to have a biblical living hope. And so um, the illustration, there's some flyers here too that, that you can pick up to take with you. But the illustration is to show Jesus as the living hope, Jesus as the living water. And then as you see the water pouring through his hands, that is his spirit pouring through us. And as his spirit indwells our hearts and our lives, then we can use our hands to go and to serve and to give that living water. Now, sometimes the world doesn't realize they need it, do they? They try with all other kinds of things. But we know that even if they may not admit it at this time, that they need that living hope and they need that living water. So because of what Christ has done in us to fill us, then we as Christians or as WMU can go ahead and do that with our mission and our ministry. 
So hope is a word that is used in the Bible over 129 times. I had to been doing some research about that, but it's one of those top three. You know, you hear about faith, hope, and love. And so um, when I looked in the dictionary, hope is really just that feeling, as we said, that wishful feeling or expectation. It's a desire for certain things to happen. Now, this is not the definition that we hear about hope in the Bible. In the Old Testament, there are many graphics about it being our, um, our shelter, our protector, when we have the hope in Christ. We talk about in the New Testament, the Greek word talks about it being the rope that connects us to Christ. So ours is an anticipation of what we know is going to happen, that God has already promised that, and he's already come back to life. And so we are going to have that with him, a confident expectation. Dutch Sheets had written a book. It's called The Power of Hope. And one of the illustrations that he told in there really stuck with me. I guess, um, as many of you know, in, in Lumberton, we've been through two hurricanes and we got the rain and stuff today. Um, and so I know what it's like to see the devastation when you come out the next day. But he was telling the story. This is just a, a picture I could find. But um, there had been a storm, a tornado or something, and the people had come out after that the next morning to kind of see what was going on. And they saw this barn and the roof was just all crushed under the ground and the chicken coop and all that. And then as they stood there looking, there was this little bedraggled rooster that comes out from under there. And you know what roosters are going to do, right? He realized it was morning, so he does his job. He does his task. He climbed up on top of that roof and started to crow. And Dutch Sheet says that is the best reminder of what hope is. It is that expectation that it's a new morning. And we know that the Bible says that God's mercies are new every day. And so that is what we have is a living hope. So every time you hear a rooster, you remember that God's hope is living and he's giving it to us each day. Um, I wrote mine down because I can't see without my glasses on anymore. But in 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4, the verses that we're going to concentrate on today, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, does not fade away, but is reserved in heaven for you. Will you join me as we, as we pray today? God, I just want to thank you again for this opportunity, for your spirit to be here. God, I thank you for that we have your word that speaks to us in our own language even. And I just pray for um, all of the people around the world, God. We know there are many unreached people groups. We know there are many who still do not have a copy of your word. But we know that you have put that spot in their soul and that you um, show them through creation and other ways. And we just pray that you will bring the, the people and the resources together for them. I thank you for this church and the ministry that it has here and in the community. And God, I thank you for those who are faithfully serving you around the world today, God. We know that many have birthdays, Anna in Arizona, Jeff in California, Matthew in Colorado, Manuel in Oklahoma, David in Washington, Michael in West Virginia, working with the American Peoples, or JB, with the Asian Pacific, WC, BL, RL, with Central Asian People, NE, AG, LH, FS, and HV. And God, even though we may not know your names, 
We may just have initials or a, a fake name for their protection, but you know their name. And I pray that you will give them a joyful hope today to remind them of the living hope and that you will use their hands and feet to share that living water with others. May everything we do and say today, God, be for your glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. So if we're going to think about this living hope, um, we start to look at this passage. And I found three things. And so you may find more as, as we read. We know God's word always speaks to us. But I found that hope is alive. Hope is unshakable. And hope gives us a purpose that truly motivates us. So when Peter um, wrote this, we know that he had been with Christ for three years. He'd been walking around on earth with him, and he got to experience that. Now, many people, we know he was a disciple and apostle, and we know how much his life changed. But many people would just say he was uneducated, he was a fisherman, he was, you know, always, you know, speaking before he thought. He was just honest. Uh, he betrayed Jesus, but yet uh, Jesus forgave him and, and, and turned his life around to be the, the rock of the church. So here he is writing this letter to the new believers that are scattered. And we know that they were in um, the area that we call um, Asia Minor, what we would call Turkey today, that's having so many of the, um, the difficulties, of course, there after the earthquake. Um, and so there were about five different churches, groups that were going to read this letter. And he wanted to encourage them. He wanted to find a way to encourage them. And so he says to them, our living hope is anchored in the past. Jesus has already done that for us by his death and resurrection. Then he says that it's going to continue in the present because Jesus is alive today. And then he lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And he's a preparing that place for us in heaven. And he also says that our living hope endures through the future. We have the promise of a resurrected life that we can spend eternity with Christ in heaven when our earthly life comes to an end. So there's a difference here that Peter points out between our living hope and what the religions and the, and the gods of that day were. If Jesus is alive and our hope is in Jesus, then our hope is alive. After his resurrection, we know that he walked on earth for 40 um, days. We know that Peter got to see him in those times, had breakfast with him, ate with him. Uh, he shut himself to many other witnesses. Um, and even today, he is alive in heaven, not like Buddha, Muhammad, all the other prophets even that were before him. And so when Peter speaks in verse 3, he says that we are born again because the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. And we can personally experience God's living presence. So he takes that hope of eternal life and links it with what God has done uh, with his power on the cross. And so it's not something that we just have to hope for. Um, you know, in, in many religions, in the, they, um, there's a, a vision in um, Buddhism um, where they are walking across and they are reincarnated. We know that in... Um, other religions and the Hindu religion, they're walking across this um, chasm. And if they've done enough good things, they'll make it to the heaven. If they haven't done enough good things, they're going to fall off. So it's, it's just this wishful hoping, but we know where we are going to be. And so because we trust Christ, we can have this joy. Um, many times the Bible speaks of it as an inexpressible joy, an undefined joy, because our hope is not based on what is here on earth. 
It's based on what is ahead of us in heaven. And so we have great anticipation. But Peter is also very practical. You know, he, he walked around this earth and he speaks about that they are having trials and tribulations. And even as a Christian, that's going to come in our daily life and we have to endure it. The question is, how do we have this abundant life that Jesus is talking about when we're suffering? We don't feel like it, do we? But the Christians that Peter addressed were looking for something to get them to hold on to God's presence. And so Peter says that our hope is not based on what is going on right here. Despite our external circumstances, and maybe sometimes even because of them, he talks about the suffering that it brings us closer to Christ, um, the more real that he becomes. And that gives us a hope that is unshakable. I had a chance uh, um, a few weeks ago, I was in Birmingham, and these students were there from the seminary in the Ukraine. And then later they came to North Carolina, and we were able to actually record an interview with them and ask, ask them questions. And they were so, uh, so brave, they were so positive, they were so polite, they were thanking us over and over again for their prayers. And I, I, one of the questions I said to them was, well, how do you, we know that you have God and that you have faith, but how is it that you can get up and go the next day and the next day and the next day? And they said that they felt the prayers and that as they saw the prayers and then as they saw others around them and the needs around them being met, that just motivated them, that encouraged them to get through and to do more each day that they wanted to do that. So they've taken the seminary, of course, and made it into to housing. They're taking care of the women and the children and the, the feeding. And so I encourage you to continue to pray for that area and, of course, with Turkey and Syria too. And see, non-believers do not have this. They do not get to experience this. Um, they can't call on Jesus because they haven't believed in him yet. And there were ancient um, people, of course, that believed that, that death was the end of it. There wasn't anything else. And so when the Jewish Christians began to confuse these other people, because we're talking about a future, we're talking about a living hope. And so he said, even if you're persecuted, he wanted them to know in verse 4 that your inheritance is already there, that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. It proved that the afterlife is real. And so we look beyond these hopeless circumstances. They want to be found faithful to have this hope in the eternal life um, that it would be more than enough to compensate for their pain. And so when we are born again, then there's a noticeable difference between what we used to focus on of the right now, here and now in this life, but to focus on what's going to be the future. And you may have heard the, the song, um, that's an old hymn that, that we love. Um, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. So this is a hope that is unshakable. Um, I know you know about Lottie Moon, the missionary to China, but Hudson Taylor was a missionary before Lottie Moon. And he um, talked a lot about us holding the ropes. And he would, if we would hold the ropes for him, he would go on and, and to start to, to share there. But one of the things he talked about is this 
uh, when we're faced with these difficulties. He said, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. What really matters is where the pressure lies. Is it coming between you and God or is it pressing you nearer to his heart? And so if we have this unshakable hope, then it should press us closer to God. Living hope is also a very powerful motivator. Um, you hear in all the sports talk right now with the Super Bowl and all the things coming up, and, and they're all hoping, you know, that they're going to do everything their coach says. Um, they're going to follow all the instructions. And, and at first we might think that that's just a, just a blind faith, but as they practice together, as they play more games, they start to see results, then they have greater hope. And that's where that motivation and effort comes in. Well, as Christians, we have a new motivation because our motivation is to what? To glorify God, right? And then to spread. So when we emphasize this eternity and our faithful obedience, we are waiting our heavenly reward. Um, and that's what Peter talks about as an abundant and boundless mercy. And so we have that motivation to do that. As your pastor was challenging you to make sure that that is your purpose as you go through life. It's not, um, it's not blind. It's not doubtful. We know it is confident. Um, some religions, you know, even have the gurus that are trying to guide people um, into their religion. And at the same time, they're trying to find it. And so they can never know for sure because they're still just trying to follow this. But we have hope um, that is alive, that is living, and that will motivate us. So as you um, heard me say, our WMU mission is to challenge to prepare you and to equip you to be radically involved in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. So we have to continue, just like Peter was telling the early church, just like Hudson Taylor was saying, just like the missionaries that we prayed for um, earlier on their birthdays. There's still work to be done. And so WMU tries to divide ours up. On the back here, you have a list. And we say we do missions education. We do... Um, compassion ministries, and then we do discipleship leadership development. Now, there's a multitude of things that we do, and I could talk forever, but I'm going to just quickly <laughs> share with you of, of, of a few of those um, that you can see. But in the prayer guide, it will give you some of these things to pray for each day and so that you can go ahead and um, to do that. And as we share these opportunities and resources, I do just want to Thank you that our financial resources come from you. We depend on your support uh, to participate with us. We depend on your support to pray for us. But the only way that we have the finances to continue to provide these are through our offerings. And so we are grateful that God has chosen us to be his hands and feet here on earth. And we want to continue to do that. One of the most important ways, as I said, that you can support missions is through prayer. Um, I don't have a QR code on there for, for you to scan, but if you are not familiar with these two sites, um, I pray that you will join in on that. One is on the WMU website. If you um, go there and then you look for Missions Discipleship Prayer Calendar, every day it will give you this list of missionaries who are having birthdays and tell you where they're serving and what they're doing. Some of you may get the Missions Mosaic or other curriculum, but sometimes I like to have it because it pops up on my phone and so I can pray right there as I see it, I can pray throughout the day as I see it or in my email. The other one is a new partnership that we have started with the North Carolina Baptist Convention. 
DLMU has always wanted to um, support missionaries, but especially missionaries that are from North Carolina. And so we have made an effort to do that, and we've joined with North Carolina Baptist. And so you can get information on missionaries and church planners who are from North Carolina, and um, that will come into your inbox as well. Learning about missions is important because as you learn about it, then you see those needs and you figure out how you can match those needs with it. And I'm grateful that you have your children's programs here and that, um, as you know, we have like a focus to go on. There are many things that you can use at any time. We've got these, what we call missions in a box. And so there's one on um, all different countries, Nigeria, Philippines, whatever. And you can use that for um, any activity. But I wanted to tell you about something so special that helped, that happened this year. And thank you for your support to make this happen. Um, as we have been trying to, to see what are the needs of families and how are we going to get this to, um, today, we're trying to do um, mission days, children's missions days across the state. And we also realized that there are preschoolers and families that like to come together as missions. So we did a touch and feel hands-on missions day. And um, they had different activities they could rotate through. Um, there were um, missionaries that were there. We had some of the things for them to taste and to do. But one of the things we had was the stand-up figure of Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. Now, Annie Armstrong is taller than me, but I want you to know I am taller than Lottie Moon, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> this cardboard is standing up, and there was a family that had come, and the mom said, she said, there's not many things that, um, that we get to go to. She has a son who is um, autistic and Down syndrome, and she said that there's not many things that we can go, but when I saw this was touch and feel, I thought maybe that we could do that. And so we were like, yes, come on in. And the first thing this little boy went to was the Lottie Moon stand up. And he goes up to her and says, hello. And the mom just like turns around. She's just like jumping and she's looking around and she's like, that, that, that was him. That was, his voice. that was the first time he had ever spoken. And so I just want you to know that we don't know what God is going to use to reach people. Maybe it was Lottie Moon's the spirit working through her from the grave. Maybe it was that it was close to his height, that it was there and he felt welcome and accepted. Um, but he was able to connect with her no matter the age, no matter whatever. And so I just pray that you will help us to continue to, to do and to provide this missions education. You probably know that we learn about missions, we pray for missions, we give to missions, and we serve through missions, right? So... We want to continue to do that. Another exciting thing is that there was a church um, in Boone that called me and said, well, you know, we had the children's missions programs, but we haven't been having any youth, and our kids are, are going up to And they like the, the Wednesday night praise and worship time, but they really want to do something. They want to make a difference in the world. So can you help us get some youth missions materials? And I was like, yes, we have a uh, missions journey for students. And so we were happy to, to be able to reconnect to that. Our compassion ministries are probably the one that I could talk about forever and ever and ever. But as God um, has gifted us, we try to see those needs and the things that we can do. And one of the things that Adele Mew has tried to do is to plan mission trips for groups that are sometimes left behind. We know there's a, your church does mission trips, your association, did, uh, Baptist men, all different things. But this year, um, we have always tried to find ways that we can partner with church planners or the um, pastor's wives who are sometimes left alone or in, in random areas and don't get that encouragement. So we have done a, a lot of that. We've done um, some of the finished painting. I'm not going to say that 
Sometimes guys are in a hurry to get done, but women sometimes can go back and do the trim work. <laughs> or do, do, so we've tried to find things that we do um, to minister with it. So this year, um, COVID has moved away, and you see the list of places that we're going to have, and I encourage you to come join us. Sandy has gone to Vermont with us before and seen the church planners there. It was one of the most um, unreached in North America. It's now the second most unreached in North America, so we have planted churches and are, are going there, but I encourage you. We um, have been able to form a partnership with the Native American Reservation, so there's a lot of exciting opportunities for that in this, this next coming up year. Um, Two other ministries that are very um, dear to my heart are the Christian Women's Job Corps. And the purpose of the Christian Women's Job Corps is to train women um, who are in coming out of some other difficult relationship. And not only to make sure that they are able to get a job and contribute to society and to their family, but to come to know Christ. And so whatever stage they're in, we take them. Um, this is one that had just graduated. You see the little certificate that we were able to give to her. She had just gotten her GED. Um, she is turning 30 and had dropped out of school and, and had children and um, has come out um, in rehabilitation. And so we were celebrating her and, and her graduation there. Um, so there are several um, places across the state, and you can always start a new one because there are always women in need and children in need, and we will be glad to help you with that. We tell them that it is a hand up, not a hand out. And they agree to do a, a Bible study um, as part of, the, part of the program. One of the other ones that uh, we have been known for a long time is to work with military um, wives, and so we've tried to provide a free retreat for them to come and to just um, be encouraged because many times they're the caregivers or dealing with people with PTSD or whatever. So we've had retreats for them at Camp Mundo Vista um, so that they could do other things. And another ministry, compassion ministry, that we've worked with so much is with those that have been incarcerated. And so you may be familiar, I think um, Jeannie has had you participating with what we call the red boxes. And so the... Um, what we do every year at Christmas is to prepare this shoebox. Um, everybody knows about Operation Christmas Child now, but we've been doing the red boxes for a while. And we put the things in there that they need. The prison has to approve everything. They tell us exactly which size. But we put in just their toiletries and um, things that they would have to pay money for or in points to get. And we also are able to put in different reading material. This year we were able to put in the Gospel of John. And for the delivery, sometimes we just have to leave them and let the guards do it. This time we were actually able to go in. We distributed over 3,000 boxes. Um, the largest groups were in Raleigh and in Anson County. But we were able to distribute those and to personally hand those to them and to, um, to tell them that we wanted them to read the book of John and to follow through and that someone loved them and, and cared about them. Here we get letters just scribbled on the back of the Christmas cards that we put in with theirs on bags. One of the notes that we got this year was from a mother who lives in another state and her daughter is in prison here serving a seven-year term. And she said, I've not been able to get her these toiletries and these things. And she said, she sent me a message that you had gifted her with this. And it was such an encouragement for her to think about that at Christmas, not only was God giving us gifts, but we were able to give to others. And so she wanted to thank us for that. So there's so many ways that we can be involved in, in that. Um, we were also, for the first time in three years, able to have a retreat if they've uh, gotten so many 
points and, and whatever, they can come um, as, and to Camp Mundo Vista and to just be a person for a few days. And one of the women said, she kept looking around, I know she was looking around, and she kept, she's like, I feel like I can breathe. She said, for the first time, I'm able to breathe. She said, I've just been on guard and watching everything and afraid to do anything or what's behind me or what's going to happen. And she said, I can finally just let you know, myself down and have that. And so we pray that all those walls are going to be broken down and that they will be able to see who the living hope is. And then in turn, we've had several that have come back um, from finishing their prison term, and they want to contribute to red boxes and to give and to go with us too. And the last part that we try to make sure that we emphasize is leadership. Um, you know that if we um, are trained to use our spiritual gifts, we can certainly find our passion and know where we need to be. And so we're going to have our um, Ignite Missions Conference. I give you a personal invitation to please all come. It's April the 28th and the 29th in Greensboro. And um, you'll have so many missionaries and conferences and the speakers, our um, music will be great. The, the speaker is going to be focusing on mental health issues and she was a missionary in Turkey and has experienced mental health. Uh, issues firsthand and so she's going to be sharing with us about that um, we also do programs we um, the Carters and Grace is very um, special to each of us she was a national um, panelist and a state panelist and we um, work with them as students so that they can develop their leadership skills and give them opportunities to speak and and to share this year we actually made it a co-ed um, so we have um, four panelists, and then we have some, some males in there too. And we also have another national panelist that will be serving when we go to the convention um, in New Orleans. We have over 300 adults that have been joining our monthly leadership Zoom lunches. Um, if you haven't had a chance to do that, there's one coming up the end of this month. And if you can't actually be on at the time it's there, you can um, get the link and watch it later. But these are on different topics to help you um, with church, serving in your giftedness, being a mom, mental health, other things. And we also have a podcast called Beyond the Moment. So we would love for you to be that. It's been um, listened to even in, in other countries and stuff too. Um, and one of the things that we added new is a mom's camp. We've been trying to reach out to young mothers more. We know that this um, millennial generation may not have grown up in church. They may not have been in church. And now as their parents, um, they need to be trained and to know how to teach their children to pray and to love God and, and to love scriptures. And so we are trying to do our part to help make sure that they can do that to become the best parents. So if you um, would like to come to that retreat, you can. If you would like to be a volunteer, we'll claim you. They love goodie bags. So if any of you um, like to do uh, different things and put together, we'll, we'll take those just like any, anybody else. Um, and we also like to give those to the church planners wives when we have meetings with them. So there are many, many things going on. I'm sure if you ask me, I could just talk forever, but I uh, did want you to know that the reason that we do this, just like you, is that it's to, not only to train the generations to be good stewards of what God has given us, but we also want to make sure that their personal relationship with Christ is right and then that they're going to be sharing that again. Our leaders, Fanny Heck and Sally Bailey-Jones, that we named our Heck Jones offering after um, from the 
from the Raleigh area. Sally Bailey Jones was only 16 when she helped to get us started back in 1886. And her dad was the editor of the newspaper, the Baptist newspaper. Fanny Heck was 24 when she helped start Meredith College and so many other things. But we know that they have set a great heritage for us. They've left an impact for us, just like Peter, like Hudson Taylor, um, all of our missionaries, Annie Armstrong, Lonnie Moon, others that have gone before us. But we still need to make disciples of Jesus who will live on mission and who will be able to share this living hope. So I thank you for the part that you've already played in us doing that. And I encourage you to find areas that you can plug into. Um, if you can't find one on this list, there are others that just didn't get on that list. But I'll be glad to connect you. I know that Jeannie will too. And um, to thank you for doing that. I just want to share our scripture again just to remind you of what Peter has said. That we can be that living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away. It is reserved in heaven for you. Thank you so much.